In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success and who to find it? That's the big question. Is it measurable? Can you obtain it? Can you dream it? Can you hold it? I'm on a quest to redefine how we view success, and I'd like to bring you on this journey. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. Hey, it is Tony Grebmeyer. Welcome to this week's episode of the Be Fulfilled Show, the real stories behind success. Now, what if money wasn't the question or the answer? What would that look like? We're going to find that out in just a few minutes. A gentleman that I have the awesome honor of interviewing today, we had the pleasure of meeting several weeks back in London. We're going to talk a little bit about that on the journey today up Success Mountain. We're going to talk about what did that look like from a business standpoint, also from an opportunity of getting connected and networking with some individual that somebody said you really need to meet. And I'm not even sure if they've ever met in person all the way, you know, in New Zealand, Australia, somebody says, Tony, you need to meet this gentleman. So at episode 16 of the Be Fulfilled show, we are going to be talking to Adel Marcy. He's a copywriter, a consultant by trade and has been since he was 12 years old. He's the host of the Adel Marcy Unplugged podcast outside the business arena. He's a former comedian, voice actor, and a person of pure randomness pure awesomeness, if I had to say, lives his life from a place of love, service, and fulfills his daily goal of making at least one other human being smile every single day. Please welcome to the show, Adel. How are you, my friend? Hey, brother. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Appreciate I'm excited. You. I'm excited to have you here. First question for you. We'll kick off the show. What is your definition of success? Probably would fall under what Al Nightingale said, closely related, which is it's the pursuit of a worthy ideal and making others laugh and enjoy themselves and feel good. That is essentially my definition of success is to have uh, to have other people feel good while I pursue my goals. All right. So we're going to go up success mountain today. You started early at 12 years old. What are you, 14 now? Yeah, just about just hitting 14. Got a little bit of facial hair growing in right about now. Now, how old are you today? Uh, I'm 28. I'm 28 years old now. So you've been on a journey for a while. You've got a, a wicked story. I mean, you, you talk a little bit about being a former comedian, a voice actor, and you found yourself into the business of writing copy. And I, and I think if you're going to be a stand-up comedian, you got to have some copywriting skills anyways. you got to be able to tell jokes and be funny. So we're going to get into that. So Success Mountain, for anybody listening, is what we kind of go through in life. We're all trying to get somewhere, get to the top. And I always tell people there's nowhere to get. Where you're at is where you're supposed to be. It may not be what you want to be doing, but it's where you're supposed to be right now. And all the things that happened to get us to this point have lined up just perfect. Now, backstory, I head to London. I'm there for a very short period of time. I had planned to meet you, uh, Joss. He said, you know, Tony, this is somebody I'd like you to meet. We talked a few minutes prior to landing in London. I loved your energy. I loved your feedback. I kind of loved like this person that I was about to meet. Well, I walk in and I'm just worthless, right? I, uh, I've got a fever. I'm not feeling great. And I had put my bag into my hotel room and my bag fell over with the handle up and it forced the handle to not to be able to close. So my handle was stuck open. So my bag was worthless because I couldn't fit into the overhead compartment when I go to leave. And this gentleman who I had never met said, I'll help you. 
I'm like, you will? And he's like, yeah, like I'll figure it out. So we looked quickly. We found a place where you could take it and you went home that day, you know, 30 minute drive on a train or whatnot. You got it fixed. You brought it back the next day. And I'm like, who is this guy? Who does that for people? Right. And that was just like the piece that really kind of not only sealed the deal for me of like a friend, somebody that I could be friends with for a lifetime, but I think it showed me the person that you are and it lives up to that mantra of how you fulfill your daily goal of making at least one other human being smile. So you did that for me, you know, and I, and I told my wife, I said, you know, a random stranger, somebody who I'd only met from a friend literally said, you need to meet this guy. And then that guy says, let me take care of your bag for you. And then I turn out to be miserable, sick the rest of the entire time I'm in London. I'm sick every single day. That's a whole nother show and a whole nother story. But you know, success mountain as we climb it, it's not something that everybody's clearly defined. You know, you gave a really good kind of definition of what does success look like to you. But what do you think is wrong in our society today around money? When we talk about money and possessions and things and keeping up with the Joneses, what's your saying? Do you guys have a unique saying for Americans use keeping up with the Joneses? What do you you guys say? It's about the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we have that as well over here. I remember actually um, when I was doing door to door sales, that was something they used to get always told to use as a fear factor to get people to buy in. It's like, well, so and so down the road signed up, so you've got to sign up as well, so you're keeping up with the Joneses. But to answer your question, what I think is wrong with it a lot of a lot of the time is there's less fulfillment in what people have. There's less gratitude around what people have, if that makes sense. Like there's this drive that you want to attain a certain career, but you don't have a community or support system around you. And like I was listening to a podcast actually just a couple of days ago, and it was a psychiatrist whose name, I cannot remember. It was a British psychiatrist, another podcast. And what he said was about 30 years ago, if you asked the average American how many people they could turn to in a time of crisis, the average American 30 years ago could say, right off about five people. But like, these five people have got my back. You know, I can turn to them at any point. Today, do you want to take a guess how many people you can turn to? Uh, outside of my arena, uh, average is probably 2.5. That'd be my guess. Zero. The average is zero. Like, the average across the majority of people that are working, not so much for themselves, but they're actually working in a company structure just constantly chasing the next goal it's zero because they're always trying to move forward and they're not taking someone forward with them. So that old saying, as it comes to mind, is if you want to go quickly, go by yourself. If you want to go far, go with a group. I like that. I like that. So let's talk a little bit about what you're up to these days. I mean, you you talk about being a copywriter. What the hell is a copywriter for anybody who's not listening? Oh my God. How's the funniest thing ever? I say, oh my God, because uh, I remember the first time that was the exact question I asked two dudes in a green room at a seminar when they said, you're a copywriter. I'm like, what the hell is a copywriter? To put it bluntly, essentially all it is, it's that you're really good at selling through different mediums where you leverage yourself. So like video sales, that is landing pages, emails, ads, basically anything to do with advertising to get someone to go from, oh, that looks cool to, hey, I really want to sign up to that or buy that thing versus kind of go like, here's a product placement in a movie that doesn't really do much. So somebody listening who, you know, you're not necessarily being manipulated to buy something, but you're being coursed through good words and some positioning, some statements to kind of help show you the benefits and why you need to buy certain things. Would you say that's a little bit more of an accurate kind of description? Yeah, it's, that's actually probably, yeah, that's way more accurate. And just to add on to the caveat, that's more or less that you're actually being given, given every reason why it's good for you, for you to make an informed decision whether or not you want to. 
All right. So let's talk about your upbringing real quick. Uh, what were you like as a student in school? Good student, bad student, or just uh, kind of went because you had to? Uh, a little bit of all of the above. I was a good student, meaning teachers loved me except for like two or three. Bad student because I was a CD grade point average kind of kid. And kind of a, didn't want to be there because I spent most of my time out of school injured. So I was doing Thai boxing at the time. And I remember, I think I spent three months out of school at one point in the hospital because I had a knee injury that I kept playing up every time I went back to the gym. But yeah, no, there was like that school life not was kind of normal, mediocre, but then there was this whole other life that I lived that I kept very quiet for a long time where, you know, it starts street fights and, you know, do really stupid things. One of the things that I was reading about you overcoming suicide seven times before yeah. 20, Yeah, what were some of the things that you were struggling with in those dark times? What were some things that you can share today? Oh, man. Um... To be honest, looking back at it, it was just really, really random. But like one of the things I used to struggle with was like acceptance of myself and being accepted by my community it was like really hard for me to express myself. Like if I'd go out there and say something, I didn't feel like I could confidently say to someone, I don't want to do this, or I don't feel good today, or I'm feeling sad right now. And something that one of my um, ex-girlfriends said to me when I was 18, she said that when we broke up, I asked her why, because I really wanted to improve to not have the same thing happen. And I asked her, why did we break up? She said, whenever we were hanging out and you were relaxed, you weren't relaxed. Like you were still quite tense. So you can see there was a chip on your shoulder. You were constantly tense. You couldn't let go. And I think that was just like, it was compacted in and compounded over years and years and years. And that just kept making me go back to the suicide world because I felt like if I'm not being understood, Maybe I shouldn't be here. So what ultimately, you know, was the thing that pushed you over the top to kind of change your mindset from that behavior to kind of where you're at today? Because if you're in your 20s, right, up till 20 years old, you tried seven times and then somehow you become a comedian. I mean, I'm like, I'm thinking about what great content. I mean, uh, I don't make light of suicide. I attempted it and I was luckily somebody knocked on my door and saved my life. So it's not something that I make light of. Looking back at it, very selfish, self-centered acts for myself, thinking like, you know, I want to end my life. It's not worth living. And it's the opposite today, right? I can actually see how I was being selfish and yeah. self-centered. And so you, you go, what was that thing that kind of turned for you where you went from like, oh, today I don't want to die. Today I want to actually live. Like, what was that change? Uh, for me, because I, I, I was diagnosed as type 1 bipolar. So essentially what it is that you go through massive peaks and valleys when you're actually like you stabilize normally. So imagine like a bar graph with just a line right through the middle and there's an above and below. Most people like walk that fine line or just above it. People that have depression kind of dip underneath that line. People with type one bipolar, they kind of like fluctuate on a roller coaster up and down. So like you're barely on normal. You don't really function on normal. You either function on I'm good and normal building up to, I think I'm a goddamn deity and I will literally show you how great I am to what the hell just happened to me? I'm going to kill myself. Hmm. So I learned over the process when I was about 17, 18 years old, I started realizing the patterns of what was going on. So I'd find a pattern where I'm like, okay, I'm having a really good day or a really good week. And like three days later, I'd want to kill myself. Or I'd have that thought, what was going on? So I thought, okay, once I started having that pattern and I very stupidly did this, and I'll explain why in a moment, I started to short that pattern so every time I start to feel myself get really, really good and get into that stage where I feel like I'm a goddamn deity and can do everything I want, I brought it back down to normal. I was like, okay, I need to write. I need to calm myself right into the stage where I can be okay and level out. And then once I got the drop-off point, the drop-off wasn't as bad because polarity. 
the thing that actually changed it for me surprisingly was business. I got into network marketing, I got into self-development, and I started to realize more and more that I could forgive myself for certain things I did. And it's actually like 19, 18 was the last time I tried to kill myself. Thoughts started to go away at 19 and solidified at 20. And the way I actually became a stand-up was actually my best friend. We were out at a club and uh, it was a comedy show that they had then. He had one too many drinks. Like we were 19 years old. He had one too many drinks. And one of the opening, one of the open mic people didn't show up. They just, they didn't show up. So the guy, the promoter was like, we got one spot open for 10 minutes. And anyone want to come up here and give it a try? Because you know, it was a warm crowd. My friend puts his hand up and says, this guy right here, because I wasn't drinking. And I was like, what? I just, because I remember just like being so in my own head and self-conscious about it. He was like, no, this guy right here, get him on the stage. So before I could say no, I'm like being dragged onto the stage. I'm on stage. And the first 10 seconds literally felt like a lifetime. I mean, I'm used to being in the ring and three minutes in a fight feels like a lifetime. But being on that stage for 10 seconds was the most horrific thing in the world. And all I remember is the same friend of mine, love him to pieces, DJ, literally yells out, talk about how your dad thinks you're gay. And that was it. That was the floodgates that just broke open. And I just went for it. So like a lot of my humor came up from this whole like misunderstanding and how my dad had these misconceptions of me growing up. And I just, I just made fun of everything I could. And like being a Brown kid after nine 11 as well, it just got like, I had so much material about looking like a terrorist kid and being like my dad thinking I might be gay or something. Nothing's anything wrong with that. But at the time it was like something he said to me, I was like, okay, that's just humorous. I just ran with it. So after, after the 10 minutes on stage, what did yeah. you feel like? I felt elated because um, going back to that thing about making someone laugh every day, I set that goal to myself when I was 13. It was after the first time I tried to kill myself, like the first time I tried to commit suicide. I took out a piece of paper and wrote down, I want to make one person laugh every day because no one should be this sad. Hmm. And um, I realized whenever I made someone else smile, it made me smile. Even if it just like eased off the blow a little bit. And yeah, when I got the stage, it just felt absolutely incredible. Like, it's like the best feeling in the world, just complete elation and terror. It was both terror and elation at the same time. No, I got to imagine. I mean, somebody says, hey, this guy needs to go on stage. You go on stage. Someone shouts out, like, talk about how your dad said you were gay. And then from there, it's nothing but you left and right, just starting to shout out and kind of have fun. And then you get off stage. And that's got to, I got to imagine that there's such a, a high dopamine drop, everything like you are like, dude, this is incredible. So did that start you on a path of wanting to then in the moment be a, become a comedian? Uh, no, 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 not really at all. I mean, I just more or less, it was a good thing. I was like, oh, this is quite fun. I'm, I'll enjoy this. And every so often I'd go out to a place and that promoter actually came up to him, bless, me, uh, bless him. And he just said to me, hey, I really liked your material. Would you be open to coming back every so often to do these shows? I was like, yeah, but I'm not a comedian. I think I've only got this thing that I just pulled out my head. He was like, okay, if you ever want to come back in, the door's open. So I didn't really hit him up again for another year until I was 20. And then that's when it really started to make sense because while I was at this network meetings, at these seminars, while I was dating people, I'd always get the same comment. You're really, really funny. You tell really funny jokes and stories. And at this point I was writing copy as well. So I dropped these jokes and pieces into my sales copy while I was pitching people on door-to-door sales. And it just kind of like seemed to be an open door for me. So I thought, okay, I'm actually going to take this a little bit more seriously, go out there and talk about something. So um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. So how do you make money today? 
Today, I make money as a consultant. So I basically advise people on business. I write sales copy and I've actually got a course coming out that you keep kicking my butt about. And what's that course about? It's called Story Sound Blueprint. It's essentially five hours long and each hour is a different type of sales process like websites, sales letters, emails, webinars, VSLs. It basically covers everything you need to know about how to make money through different mediums of selling. I like it. That's going to be done soon, I'm taking it? Because I know you got some modules already recorded. Yeah, I've got two modules, uh, three modules recorded. I've got the last two being done. So like, yeah, it should be done literally the next two weeks. And who's your avatar? Like who's your ideal avatar or customer? The average, uh, the ideal customer for that is actually someone that's in business that doesn't write copy. They don't really understand how to write copy. They're looking to like basically pick something up and move forward with it. Like that's my ultimate people like, Hey, I've got a business. I can't hire a copywriter because they cost too much. I want to, I want to figure this stuff out myself. It's like, here you go, take the templates, write it out, you know, do your own thing, develop your style, and now you've got the things to go. At the same time, if you're a copywriter and you're not sure what you're doing, this is great for you to pick up some skills and just run with it because now you don't have to wade through the whole, what do I do? Why does this work? It's like, it's been figured out for you. Just run with it, please. What's your best day money-wise writing copy? Oh, best day money-wise was when I was 20. And I'll actually tell the story to this because it's a lot of fun. Um, at that point, I was 2,000 pounds in debt, which was a lot to me at the time. And I didn't know what I was going to do. So I was knocking on doors, doing door-to-door sales, 100% commission only. And I wrote an ad for a real estate client. They paid me 3,500 pounds to write this ad. And they said I'd get 3% on the sales for the first week of the ad. So I had to like kill it in that first week. The average sale, the sale price was 15,000 pounds. Just to give you a heads up, like that's how much each sale was like going to come in. So I'll get 3% of that. They mailed it and they did 3.5 million. And my best day was $150,000 from that 3.5 million. So about 80,000 pounds in that one day got deposited to my bank account at one time. Wow. So I was like, that was like the craziest thing ever. And obviously I did what every like 19, 20 year old kid would do, uh, freak out, completely lose my shit and be like, what am I doing? <laughs> no, I, I love that. I mean, somebody listening right now saying, you know, copywriter sounds good. Can't wait for your course. Finish that thing. You know, you went from somebody yelling at you to get on stage, you, you get on stage, you're telling your story, you're finding yourself. The journey that I kind of feel like we're on a little bit today is a journey of self-discovery, constantly trying to evolve, never arrived, happy where you're at. Your mission in life is pretty straightforward and simple. Make somebody smile. I mean, that's a really simple, but very powerful kind of message because I think it says to you personally, like, cool, I need to connect with other human beings for that to become true. So it means that I need to get out of my head. You talk about being you know, type one and being bipolar and having some of these tendencies and then having some of these suicide tendencies and the things go wrong. And you talk about debt, you talk about kind of your life journey and you talk about being a brown kid and you, you talk about some of the struggles that you faced. Let's talk about some of the great things that you have personally seen for yourself to not be true that you had to disprove about yourself kind of growing up. Oh, okay. So my first one I'm going to go with, which was, it's going to sound really, really crazy, was uh, actually it's first two. The first one I discovered when I was 19 was I thought I was really stupid. Like I genuinely thought I was really, really dumb. Like I took an IQ test when I was 16 and my IQ was like 136. I was like, oh, that's pretty good. But I was comparing myself to like my friends that were like all hitting above the 150 mark. So I'm like, man, I'm really stupid. And because I failed because over here in the UK, you have Traditional schooling, well, you did when I was at school. Yeah, traditional schooling until you're 16, and then it was optional schooling until you're 18, and then you go to university or college for you guys in the States. So when I was 16, I, you know, I finished a C&D student as usual, 
went to uh, what we call college, which is, I think, 10th or 11th grade over there. Do you guys go to 12th grades or 11th grades? 12. Okay, so I was in 11th grade, essentially. While I'm there, I, um, I, failed. I failed my 11th grade and decided to leave. And my teacher made me feel really, really dumb about everything. Like, no, you don't know what you're doing. Can't read your handwriting, so on and so forth. So the first thing I disproved at 19 was I was stupid. So I retook my IQ test and I scored, I think, like 160-something on my IQ test and then did it again at 25 and sit comfortably at 173 right now. So it's quite nice. The other thing, which took me until I was 26 to realize, was I thought I was ugly and undateable. Hmm. That's what that's what I thought. Even though I had like had long-term relationships, even though I had, you know, had women interested in me and sometimes even guys interested in me, which is always always a strange thing for me, but kind of a cool thing. That was the second thing I had to really get out of my head was like build the self-esteem that I know that I love myself. Because that was the other thing. So I had to go back to loving myself before I could give love to others because I was seeking outside external validation in order to figure that stuff out. I guess the third thing was that I'm actually a really happy person. I used to think that I was like this depressed person that could never feel happiness until like this was like 2021. And then realized I don't need that anymore. That that story didn't serve me. And I'm actually a happy person that loves people, that walks around and just enjoys things. Hmm. I love that. I mean, I think that that spot kind of on about the person that I met when I was in London of being outgoing and saying, let me help you be of service, right? So some life lessons that you learned about yourself that weren't true, that you kind of smashed. So now here you are, 28 years old. You're a copywriter. You're in London. It's a great story, by the way. Uh, we could get to it another time about your passport debacle and all the things that you're facing, why you can't necessarily leave and come visit the States, but that's a whole nother story. What are some things that you're working on besides this course that you seem in some ways, you're just there, you're like so close. Like I can't wait for the world to kind of see your genius and your greatness. What are some things that you're just proud of that you're working on right now behind the scenes besides that, that really have you excited? Oh man, dude, there's so much. There's one of my little private projects I'm working towards right now, which is building a side business. The whole process, it's it's a jujitsu masterclass. So like masterclass.com, but for jujitsu guys only, so Brazilian jujitsu only. So we have like a community that we're building where people are going to go in and speak to like different instructors around the world and get advice, but also get access to their stuff. It's a continuity. So you know, it's like 25 bucks a month people pay to have all this access. Now, the reason why I'm super excited about that, besides being a huge Brazilian jujitsu fanboy and practitioner is the proceeds that I get out of that are actually all the, well, the proceeds are split 40, 40 with 20% towards like upkeep and maintenance between me and the person. But my 40% what I'm actually doing is I'm taking 25% of that. And there's one thing that's really, really like bothered me since I was a kid was uh, seeing homeless people, not like as in, you know, damn homeless people, what they bother me. No, it's like, how did you get to that position is what I want to know. And how can I help you get out of that position? So one of the things I'm doing with like 25% of my chat or with my chat or with my proceeds, I'm not going to write them off as a charitable donation because that to me just defeats the purpose. It's more or less, I want to interview people and find out what it is, where they got to. And then at nighttime, come back around and drop off like a backpack with a letter and a note and the money they need. So like if 25% of that income just comes in and it says, I don't know, like if we're doing, I think it's like 250 bucks or a thousand dollars, whatever it is, it's like a thousand dollars cash, right? Then it's like, Hey, Go get yourself checked into a hostel. Go get yourself checked in. Go make sure that you're okay. Build yourself back up on your feet. You know, do something. So that's something I'm really excited about doing as a project. Outside of that, my photography. I love doing photography. So that's got me really amped up. Jiu-jitsu is another. And um, just novel writing. I'm actually writing a novel right now. I've got three novels that are ready to be written and completed. They've all like 
they're in how to put this they're written but they need to be edited into novel format right now they're just like huge random parts of like pdfs and pages documents around my mac and my other computer just left there for like to be edited into place together so that's stuff i'm really excited about all right so what we're gonna do ladies and gentlemen we're gonna take a quick break on the be fulfilled show we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk to adele um adel i get your name wrong it's like i want to say adele i just for some reason i just want to say it like a deal no Tattle. Okay, so we're going to be right back. We're going to do this. And I get my name butchered all the time. My last name is Grebmeyer. That's why for so many people just call me Tony G because it's so much easier than trying to attempt to screw this thing up. Uh, we're going to come back and we're going to come down a little bit success mountain. We're going to talk about some more challenges or opportunities and obstacles that you're, you're walking through. Like you're literally getting through every single day. The hurdles of life, I, I call them Every day when we get up, we get onto the track of life. There are little obstacles. There's hurdles that are set for us. Now, our job is to walk over them, not to trip over them. And if we do trip, remember hurdles, they do get right back up. They have this mechanism and the way that they work, they fall to the position of the way they were before we tripped over them. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to go through the fulfillment round, a bunch of random questions that I have no right or wrong. There's no phone a friend. There's no reach out to anybody and say, hey, can you help me? It's more about you and me having some fun, allowing the audience a little bit more inside your madness, your creation, your creativity in your brain. So if you're up for that, we'll be right back on the Be Fulfilled Show. Are you suffering from marketing dysfunction? Are you not able to perform online as well as you could when you were younger? Unable to keep up with the intimate demands of buying product, running offers, and shipping items to your customers? Say hello to Ship Offers, clinically proven to enhance the growth and longevity of your business. Get some today at shipoffers.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back now. We got a guy who's a comedian. We got a guy who's a copywriter. We've got somebody who does voices. So what I'd like to do first is say thank you for being on my show. And I need one voice, one voice that you don't have to tell me who it is. And instantly people would recognize it and know it. Well, you see here, Tony, we're sat here on the internet wondering whether or not the Batman is going to come and get me from this asylum, which I just created. (laughs) But yeah. All right. So that's the Joker, Heath Ledger. You could use many, many people. Who's your favorite Joker that you've heard? Who's the favorite Uh, person that plays the Joker? It's a tie between Jack Nicholson and Heath Ledger for me. Heath Ledger because he was the most influential of the Jokers, but Jack Nicholson because he just played him so perfectly. What do you think about Mark Hamill as the Joker over the years? Oh, Mark Hamill, I count as probably like, I'd say he's probably like number I'd say he's top two as well. Like it, it's a three-way tie between those guys because Mark Hamill, I thought you meant more life on-screen production, but Mark Hamill is right up there, especially because, you know, Luke Skywalker plays the Joker. I mean, do you need to get any better with that? I know, and I felt like in the last Star Wars movie, we got a little bit of the Joker, Yeah, right? We, we got a little bit of the Joker and the little craziness, even though I think deep down inside, Hamill had no desire to play the role that was written in that movie. And so he just did what he did, which is give him a script and he just went with it. All right. So we're back on the Be Fulfilled show. We're here with just an incredible human being, somebody who has a heart of gold, who his whole like identity, and I think in a lot of ways, is that smile. That is that smile, that thing that uh, it's contagious, it's infectious. It's something of... You know, I I meet a lot of people and I got to tell you, like meeting you in London, I knew from the moment I got a chance to meet you, uh, appeared around the corner and said hello to you. I was in for a wild ride, somebody who just, you know, just shows up the way that you do. So you got a lot of projects in the works. You got some books that you're working on. They're in formats of PDFs and little tablets and things around your house. But what is something that you're committed, you're committed 
not interested in, but committed to getting done in the next 90 days. Okay, because Tony is going to kick my butt if I don't at least put this right at the top. No, of the- I'm recording this and the world's going to hear this and it's going to live forever. And I want a, a timestamp on it so that there's a deadline for you to make sure that you push yourself so that in 90 days when we're talking and you have your passport debacle and everything else figured <laughs> out, your visa, you can come visit. We can celebrate that win. Oh, hells yeah. So all joking aside, realistically, the next 90 days, what I have in the pipe works to actually complete, uh, first of all, get story selling blueprint out the door completed and down the line, because that has been killing me to get done. So now it's like, ready, let's go. The other thing as well is I signed, well, I actually talk about right now. Jay Abraham has got me writing a lot of his copy right now for his company. So for the next like 90 days, I've got like, I think I've got two projects on right now. So that's three in total. I think they've got like six more for me to like write in the next 90 days. So that's next. And of course, I'm going to be competing in like four different jiu-jitsu competitions in the next 90 days. So those are the different things I'm really committed to go out and do. And of course, finish my book, my first book, Alchemy of Persuasion, which comes out in, I want to say July. Yeah, July 2018. The Alchemy of Persuasion will be out for sale. So you guys can go check it out. All right. I love that. All right. So we're going to just ask a bunch of random questions, but before we jump into the fulfillment round, I want to ask you a question. I'm going to turn the tides just a little bit. You're a host of a very successful podcast. You've interviewed just a lot of amazing guests. I know a lot of them personally. What are some things that you are fascinated about with podcasting? Oh man, I just love the format. That's one, but two is you get to have real conversations and it's very similar. Like I think we spoke about this as well. What I, really enjoy is having real exchanges with people where it's not preconceived rhetoric as in they've not come into the show and gone, Hey, I know I'm going to ask this question right away. It's very much like a free flow, relaxed style. And it's, it's like radio, but for the internet age where you can actually walk around, listen to it. And it's not completely, how do I put this? It's not completely set in a way that's like, Hey, I'm on this. I'm, I'm going to be promoting this movie. That's why I'm coming on the show. It's mm. I'm actually here because I want to be here. I'm putting this content out here because I want to put it out here. It's like a creator's, it's creator's canvas. Basically. If you go out there, you've got a canvas to like project with. You can do video or you can do audio. It's up to you or both. No, I like that. All right. The fulfillment round is going to be straightforward and simple for you. I don't think you'll get any answers wrong. You're pretty smart. And if you do, I ask you just to lie, make it up, tell a story, fabricate the best answer you could possibly get. These questions are pulled strictly from my arse. They don't have any merit, no bearing on anything right or wrong. But the one thing that I just want to say, the fulfillment round is something allowing the audience who may or may not know you to learn a little bit more about you in a fun, kind of uh, tasteful way. First question for you, why the hell don't you have your visa and passport? Okay, uh, about four years ago, I applied for my British citizenship and set off my Tanzanian, because I'm Tanzanian born but raised in the UK, been here since I was four. So I sent that off to actually get my citizenship and I moved to London, notified the government here that I was moving to London. And they sent all my documents, including my birth certificate, all like my, you know, all my, uh, my green card, essentially all the other stuff and my passport to the wrong address. And that person basically just ran with it. And I didn't get told about this for a year and a half. So by the time I applied to get everything back a year and a half later, it was all out. The system was expired. So I had to kind of go through this debacle of reapplication. So right now, thankfully, the good news is, as I received this morning, was my local member of parliament, which is, I guess it's like local senator, someone, I guess or councilman or whatever it is, they basically are writing a letter on my behalf to the government to say, hey, this kid's lived here his entire life. Just give him his damn passport so he can travel. I like it. I like it. 
All right. If you were to take a date out to the movies this evening, would you choose a love story or a horror movie? Ooh, horror movie. All right, cool. Favorite horror movie you've seen in the last five years? Uh, fav- in the last five years, damn. Oh, God, what was that movie? Name The name Sinister. Sinister. Okay. I don't think that came out in five years, but it, it terrified me. If they were going to make a movie in Hollywood and need a character to be you because you're so busy, you've got three books in the works, you've got a course that's due out soon, you're writing for some of the biggest names in the industry, and you're just too damn busy to travel since you don't have a visa passport right now, you're kind of stuck. But you know that you had a say in who was going to play you in a movie. What actor would you cast? How old am I in this situation? However like, old you want to be. You could be 80 okay. if you looked 80, but you, you do kind of look like you could be 60 with that damn beard. That thing is long. All right. Just getting that. If I could pick anyone, it would be Keanu Reeves because I have like the biggest man crush on that dude. And he's such a cool dude. So that's one I'd get him to play like me at 50 because, you know, why not? If it was someone like directly at my age, Bradley Cooper, I'd go Bradley Cooper to get like to play me. Cool. All right. You have a choice. Uh, automobile sitting outside your house right now. Okay. You have any automobile, any, it doesn't matter. Money is not an object because you are the wealthiest man. I know you have all of these publications, millions of people buying your goods left and right. People are paying for you to travel the world and there's an automobile out there. What would you be driving? Does it have to be just one? Can I have two? No, we have one right now. Okay. One right now. Okay. Uh, Nissan Skyline R33. What was it? Nissan Skyline R33. It's a 1995 make. You mean a Nissan? Yes. Okay. Not a Nissan. A Nissan. Okay. (laughs) I love it. All right. So if you had a choice for automobile number two, because I want you to have what you want. It's it's like Burger King. Have it your way. What would automobile number two be? Uh, 1969 Jaguar S-Type or Jaguar X-Type, as you guys call it. Uh, if you got a chance to go somewhere today on a trip somewhere besides the United States, your home country or London, where would you go? Brazil, uh, Rio de Janeiro. Any reason in particular, you like the food, you like the beaches, you like the, the cocktails. What is it? Uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu was born there. So it's like a pilgrimage for me to go back to my sports home, but more importantly, beaches, the culture just speaks to me and the food, come on, dude, it's like fresh fruits, fish. And just, it just feels like home. It just feels like home. Like every time I hang around Brazilians, I feel like I'm back home. PJ Penn or, uh, George St. Pierre, who, who would you get in a ring with? Get in a ring with, uh, yeah. George, I'd get into a ring with George. Would you really? Yeah, I don't want to fight BJ Penn. That guy likes to that guy likes to stand and bang and just throw down for no reason whatsoever. George is a little bit more calculated, so he'll just take you down and tell you why you why you went wrong. Where did he disappear to for five years? Do you know? Uh, he was scared of like head injuries for a very long time because he felt like he accumulated too much damage and was starting to feel like he was getting brain damage. So it took five years off to like work on his body and his mind and recover and heal himself. Do you um, believe the body can heal itself? Oh yeah, definitely. That's interesting. All right. Where did we go and have lunch? Oh, man. We went to a place called Nando's. Yeah. What the heck was that? It's a South African peri-peri chicken joint, which is hilarious because I wanted to take you to uh, Las Iguanas, which was a South American place, which had more vegetarian food. But, you know, we went to Nando's and you got like, they had vegetarian food. I didn't even know that existed there. No, it was interesting. I literally, uh, one of my colleagues and I were there for lunch. He's, he was like, oh my gosh, we got to go there. Nando's, this is incredible. You should try this. And I'm like, okay, it's cool. What the heck is peri-peri sauce, by the way? 
Oh, uh, yeah, a lot of Brits will tell you they don't know what it is, but I'll tell you what it is. Peri-peri is a, it's a bastardization of Swahili and Bantu, which is bili-bili, which means uh, chili-chili. It's basically chili-chili sauce is what it translates to. All right, cool. HP or Marmite, if you had a choice to put on your food today? Uh, dude, don't do this to me. That's, that's like both disgusting. I'd have to go HP for that one. HP. All right, cool. How would you describe Marmite to somebody who doesn't live in Europe, specifically in the London region area? Like, how would you explain what Marmite is? Oh, God. Okay. So I'd say is you want to get some jam, like some, some marmalade jam, and just like douse that with salt. Just douse it with as much salt as you humanly can, and then eat it. Hmm. Sounds so delicious. My, um, (laughs) My stepdad loves Marmite and he loves HP sauce and I can't stand both of them. All right. I've learned a lot about you today and this question has no right or wrong. What is one question you thought maybe we'd be talking about today on the show that we haven't discussed? And it'd be something that's like a topic, like you got out of bed this morning, you're like one thing that I would love to talk about. And we did talk about the fact that podcasting for me is the element of not asking a bunch of pre-scripted questions. I like to take people on a journey, not with an end in mind, but instead go on a journey. So you don't ever want it to end. You're just having some fun. What's yeah. one question maybe you got up this morning thinking you'd love to talk about, but we haven't yet? There isn't one. I, I really don't. I'll make one up anyway. I'll say the writer's journey. Like how the hell do I, do I come up with like weird ad concepts on the fly? Because you saw that with me and Kevin when we were sat down, just randomly came up with a whole script in front of him. Yeah, no, I love that. And, and the one thing that I think is very interesting about kind of our time together. I I don't think you knew exactly what I did or how I network or work with people. Right. And in a short period of time, you were able to, wow. Like I sat next to Tony, Tony, like literally gave me opportunities left and right to pitch and get myself more work. Was that something that was interesting to you? Like just sitting next to me and going through that process? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, the idea, I didn't even think of it that way for me. I was just like, uh, cause I was talking to Josh and Kevin and stuff like that. It was more or less like, because the questions had been asked to me and my brain is just constantly solving problems. So when someone brings up a question, I'm like, okay, so what's the solution that you have in mind? How can I help you? How can I get that? Because like, that's all my brain was going to. And um, it was cool because my brain literally went to, I hope I'm not pissing Tony off by doing this. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're not pissing me off. I, I think, you know, I got home and I still have my luggage and it's, it works. And I, you know, I literally, when I got off that plane in Denver, Colorado, I used a wheelchair to get to customs and get through customs. And Kevin was kind enough to drive my car and got me to my office. My wife picked me up, got me to essentially emergency room. And I walked in and they figured out that I had flu B a hundred and 2.4 fever and pneumonia. Yeah. And I literally, you know, my time with you was so limited, but yet so powerful and it left something that I think will go with me for a long period of time, which is the ability. Um, and, and it was awesome. I knew I was going to have the opportunity to interview for the show, but just your kind hearted spirit. And that's the hero's journey that I'm after in life. I want to meet people who want to spread joy, love, and they literally want to do good. And that was something that from the moment of meeting you, this is the mushy part of the show, from the moment of meeting you to the getting the connected to you, to really understanding who you are, what makes you tick and a little bit about you. 
that shined. And that's the genuine peace that I think the world needs more of is more individuals. We all make mistakes. I've made a ton to get to where I'm at today. And if I didn't make mistakes, I wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be on the show with you. And I probably would have been on a completely different path. Well, when we were getting ready to do this interview, I asked a specific question. I said, pick a theme or a movie that best represents your journey as an entrepreneur. And you chose Netflix and chill. Um, I want to know where the hell that answer came from. Oh, God. Besides the choices that I gave you and drove you towards <laughs> the basic one, which is Netflix and chill. But what? Like, tell me a little bit about that. I don't even remember what the other questions were. That, Gladiator, you could have gone down like the notebook. You could have been down like, you know, a lot of other options. But you picked the, the sexy one, Netflix and chill. <laughs> That's, I guess because I like, uh, I like the sexy stuff. That's what I do. No, it's, it's actually the reason I probably chose that was because I like to chill. My entire life is um, I built my life around me so I can have time to relax rather than being a rev car going 110 a second. I love movies. and I love shows. So Netflix was like, I can pick one movie or I can pick a whole load. So I've got options. I can chill out and watch stuff. What's currently in your uh, wish list or you're waiting to watch? Like, um, uh, let's see. There's Black Lightning, which I'm still working my way through right now. It's a really good show on Netflix. Movie-wise, I haven't rechecked anything out on Netflix recently because I watched Black Panther last night, which, by the way, is amazing. Um, yeah, don't ruin it just because you're cool. And and when we <laughs> this movie's out, you know, worldwide, this podcast will be worldwide. So don't ruin it for anybody. All right, okay. I want I want to get the audience connected with you. How does the audience get to know you more? They oh, just man. go to your your first and last name dot com. Yeah, like go to adlamarcy.com. I will say this much. I'm still rebuilding like the homepage and the opt-ins and stuff like that. So the best thing you can do is go there, but go directly to the podcast section and just like pick out your favorite ones and just listen to them because it's just like we do them and they're fun and weird and interesting. And Tony's going to be on one of them as well. So that'd be good. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the world famous, the amazing copywriter, comedian, extraordinaire guy who wakes up every single day, wants to put smiles on the world. It's like picking daisies. It's full of just awesomeness. And I'm just honored. Thank you for being on the show today. Thanks for making me laugh and smile. Thanks for fixing my luggage, showing me that good humans exist in this world. There's so much good to spread. You brought something to the table. You brought something to the show today. So I want to say thank you for being a guest on the show. I'm honored to be here and thank you for having me. So glad that we met as well. Yes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is the end of the show. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, remember you do make a difference no matter what you do. Make today the best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at drainersanddrivers.com and download my free mini course designed to give you more clarity and freedom in your day. It might just change your life forever. Forever.